0: This is The Wrap. Sportsnet 590, the fans, Raptors postgame show. Ananobi over to Siakam. Siakam on the near side. Pascal, three ball, is up. And I don't even know if he aired that or if it had anything. OG Ananobi saves it. Abaka misses at the buzzer and that'll do it. The Boston Celtics go without a field goal over the final four minutes and 51 seconds and they beat the Toronto Raptors 92-87. The Raptors, the defending champs, are ousted in the second round in game seven.
1: And there you hear it, the final call of the season from Eric Smith. Eric's gonna join us in a few moments. Eric, I liked your call last year so much better. Roger Lajoie, Josh Goldberg with you. This is the wrap. We are with you for the next hour to wrap up the season. Man, that stinks. Off the get-go, right off the top, one thing I'm not going to do tonight, and by the way, both Josh and I would like to hear from you. Text us, 59590. Put your name, please, in your location in your text so we know who you are. Even regular texters, please, your name and your location so we know um, who you are. You can reach us on Twitter at the Raj 590 at J Goldberg twelve. You just heard the call with Eric and Jonesy. Fantastic job calling it off a TV screen. Are you kidding me? Fantastic work, gentlemen. Uh Eric will join us shortly. Ninety two eighty seven. Celtics went. Josh, I am not gonna rip on the Raptors. Even though I could rip on them for their Game Seven performance tonight, I think they lost this game more than Boston won. But full credit to the Celtics. They move on. It was a two-year run. Uh, we'll never forget this entire crazy season and everything that happened. So the emotions are raw. So I give them full credit. I give Nick Nurse full credit. Kyle Lowry is, is probably my, my favorite Toronto sports athlete now, and that's coming from a hockey baseball guy. That's how much I'm impressed by him. So I'll get the gushing and the congratulations, and it's so hard to win a championship and I already tweeted, Boston beat Toronto in Game 7, nothing new there. So let's get rid of that off the bat, the get-go. So I won't do that, but Josh, what a disappointing way for the team to go out because basically the Celtics gave them an opportunity to win in that last minute. Okay, we're, we're having some difficulty getting Josh's connection set up, so we'll get Josh set up in a second if you just tuned in it is the wrap i'm roger lejoie josh goldberg will be with me we'll be here for the next hour 590 590 is a text you can tweet at the Raj 590 and you can also t- tweet at jay goldberg 12 josh have we got you now
2: yeah we, we we i don't know what happened there you know the the pitfall sometimes is of, of the remote show but yeah i was just uh i was i was starting to talk about you know, the Raptors did a great job defensively, and this se- whole series was just, you know, kind of a knockdown dragout. A lot of great athletes on both sides who, you know, were were able to switch and were able to play effective one-on-one defense, and the Raptors, you know, hung their hat on that for large stretches of the series outside of the blowouts in, in Game 1 and especially Game 5. You hold the Celtics to 41% shooting and 9 of 38 on threes and 13 of 23, 57%, or just a shade under 57% from the free throw line, and you lose. It's just honestly, like you know, you you could look at a number of different things. Like yes, yeah, Siakam stunk again. He was he was terrible. Lowry wasn't very good. OG only took three shots. You know, Van Vliet had some rough moments, but you turned the ball over 18 times and it led to 31 points. Like th- that's pretty much it, right? You were sloppy. You were careless. It led to fast break opportunities led to free throw attempts, led to easy buckets the other way. And in a five-point game, in a Game 7 situation, we talked all along about, well, they're so well-coached, they're disciplined, they execute, right? They may not have that that go-to guy who can get you an easy shot anytime but they're so crisp on offense they're they're responsible with the ball they're not going to make careless mistakes and that's exactly what didn't happen at the biggest moment and independent of everything else that's what you got to look at is you just you defended well you grinded well enough in a game 7 situation but you were careless with the ball and it basically ended your season
1: well and your first point of of many which i would all agree with 31 points allowed off 18 turn- turnovers, which turns out to be an all-time franchise, I don't like to use the word record, but it is a record uh, for ineptitude in terms of making mistakes. And this, Josh, we talked about it before the game, and we talked about it especially during the halftime show and a lot of the shows we've done together with this Raptor team. The Celtics look like the team that won the NBA championship last year in terms of more of their poise. You know, Powell not boxing out uh, after uh, the missed free throws and allowing Tatum to get in there. You know, those are the kind of advantages we thought the Raptors would have over the other The other team would have the yips a little bit more. And that said, seven-game series, last game goes down to a, a well, two-possession game, basically. Uh, anybody can win the series. But to me, that's the frustrating point because that was not Raptor-like. In the big moments... Game seven against Philadelphia last year, Uh, game three against Milwaukee, Um, for that matter, OG shot in game three of this series, but uh, Golden State last year, when the pressure was on, the Raptors rose to the occasion. I just didn't feel they met the challenge tonight, and I started, I don't know if you heard my preamble to start, I'm not going to rip on this team or organization, they've done a tremendous job, they've had a terrific two-year run here, but that is very disappointing tonight.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, hugely disappointing. Like, you look at the, the Eastern Conference was totally, I guess, you know, whatever you want to say about Milwaukee. They were the number one team in the conference by a long shot, and they were the number one team in the NBA, and they go out in the second round to the five seed. You look at the bracket and say to yourself, you know, Boston, this is really it right now in a lot of ways. Like, you don't overlook Miami, but you got to know that you go into that series with Miami if you can beat the Celtics in Game Seven, you're going to be favored, and rightly so. Even with Jimmy Butler, even with the way Miami's played, you know they're not as necessarily a deep of a team. And and the Raptors, you know, defensively would have would have probably it would have been another knockdown, dragout type of series uh, like the one we just saw. Like the opportunity was there if they could find a way to get it done tonight to get to another NBA Finals, and you know they didn't make any threes. Like the eight of twenty-eight on threes, it was just. You know, you got to tip your cap to Boston, certainly defensively. Like, uh we know Marcus Smart is great, but Jalen Brown did a terrific job on whoever he was tasked with. Uh, even Kemba Walker, Tice blocking shots. Tatum was terrific. And, you know, and we talked about this at halftime. In a Game 7 situation, you know, there's going to be those open shots, those role players are going to have to step up and, and, t- and take and make. But at the end of the day, your stars are going to get you over the hump. And when push came to shove... Tatum was taking taking and making big shots for the Celtics. And nobody really was for the Raptors. Like Van Vliet hit a couple there down the stretch. He had a deep three to really, I think, make it a five-point game and kind of breathe life back into the Raptors there uh, down the stretch in the fourth quarter. But aside from that, Siakam's the guy. You paid him the max money. He's the guy you expect to take and make those big shots. And it was a grind around the rim. Any Anything was really a grind. He took one three at, at the buzzer, while Tatum just looked so confident. And the only time he wasn't making a shot is when the defense was good, and you tip the cap to the Raptors because they did play good defense, but sometimes the star power wins out.
1: Well, in this case, you're right. And Siakam, enough said, 5 for 12 shooting again tonight, just 13 points. Fred Van Vliet, 20 for the Raptors. Ibaka, 14 off the bench. Norm Powell, uh, with 11, just not enough scoring, but the defense was there. And Josh, 4:51, and the guys brought it up. For the last four minutes and 51 seconds is a very tight game in the fourth quarter. The Celtics, outside of free throws, don't get a basket. And yet the Raptors can't find a way to generate enough offense of their own. Uh, Powell going down, my goodness, I was watching that and nearly jumped out of my shoes Again, we talked about defense and getting back. What a play by smart to get back there and make that. And when you, in retrospect, that might have been the ball game right there.
2: Well, I, I got it. I just. I understand the heat of the moment. You're, you see an opportunity. You're going to just lower the head and the shoulders and try and take the ball to the rim. And maybe you will get a call. Maybe you will be able to get a dunk or something like that. But it was basically one on three. It's, I, I believe it was a two point ball game at that point, with a couple minutes to go or, or, or so maybe just over a minute left. And, you know, in that situation, you just, you want to pull back a little bit and allow your offense to set up. I'm all for pushing the pace and trying to get into, into a fast break situation. But you didn't have numbers. That's the whole beauty of a fast break offense: is when you have numbers and you can, you know, play that three on two and and center the ball or find the wing and then you know, get to the line or an easy shot. It wasn't there, and you know, it was a great play by Smart. No knock on that, but you kind of played right into it a little bit. You weren't likely to get a high percentage look or free throws there. And in that situation, you know, you set up your offense you maybe you get well, I would say not maybe you definitely get a better look and who knows what kind of ball game we have at that point.
1: Well, and that goes back again to who are the defending champs who are supposed to be making those wise decisions as you just pointed out and who's not. And again, it was the Raptors not uh, uh making them uh tonight. It's it's and I know there'll be lots of retrospection about this um, series and everything else, and we're going to do that. Eric Smith's going to join us in a moment, and we'll get his thoughts on tonight's Game 7. But, Josh, before we get to Eric, does this loss change the Raptors' landscape off-season plans any at all in your mind? If they had won this series, moved off again, do their off-season decisions change as a result of not getting to the Eastern Conference Final?
2: I don't think so. Realistically, like your your whole situation is tailored towards the following season's off season, whenever that may may come, and having that max slot available uh, to make a run at Giannis. And you know, Van Vliet, I think, is part of the part of the mix here. It's just going to be really interesting to see what kind of deal. Uh, he's looking for and what the Raptors are comfortable for. Gasol, Abaca, I guess, you know, what do you do with them? I, I, I like, are they going to be back on, on short term deals? Are they going to be looking to, to kind of strike it big for one more payday of maybe like a, a two, d- two year deal in the case of Gasol, maybe a three or four year deal in the case of Abaca? There's just so much uncertainty with the landscape financially for teams in terms of what the salary cap situation is going to be, how they're going to look about bringing back there the guys with, within their own fold and that obviously the free agent market so I, I don't think the the outcome played as much of a part as just kind of the financial landscape of the nba might dictate some of these decisions
1: that's josh goldberg i'm roger lejois we're with you until one o'clock doing the wrap Five ninety, five ninety. we got a ton of text we'll read them before we leave you at the top of the hour promise keep you coming Names and, and name and location, please, if you're texting five ninety five ninety on Twitter at the Raj 590 at Jay Goldberg 12. And uh, we'll read them all between now and one o'clock. But now we bring in the play by play voice of the Toronto Raptors, Eric Smith. Erica, I, I said it afterwards, only half kiddingly. Um. Another great call by by you tonight. I liked your final call last year a heck of a lot more than this <laughs> year's, and that is the acute sense of disappointment. Even though seven-game series, anybody can win, uh, I'm not going to crap on the Raptors. They have given us two years here, a two-year run here that is second to none, all terrific, but boy, Eric, that game was in their hands in the final few minutes, and it was turnovers and uncharacteristic play that cost them the game tonight.
0: No, you're right. And, and I, 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 first of all, thank you, Roger. And I honestly didn't think about it until you just said it now, uh, that, yeah, I guess we, we unfortunately ended the last two years on, on the fan. Uh, and, and last year's end was a hell of a lot better than this year's. Um, I didn't even think about it till now. Um, you, you said it, and I, as I was walking to the elevator leaving the building, I heard you say that one team looked like the, uh, Know, looked like the the maybe younger or inexperienced team, and 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 one team looked like the reigning chance in the veteran squad, and unfortunately it was a reversal of roles. Boston looked like the defending champs. Boston looked like the veteran team. It was Toronto that looked like they were playing uh, a little bit tight and and certainly inexperienced and and, and uncharacteristic, as you say. The turnovers, I mean. The Raptors don't do that all season, period. They don't turn the ball over that much, let alone give up that many points off turnovers. But then, even in spite of that, you're still in a position. I'll tell you, being dead honest with you, not that I not that I've ever lied to you, Roger, Josh, being dead honest with you, when the Raptors were down in that fourth quarter by ten points with four minutes left or, or five minutes left, I, I was in my mind, it's done. It's over. And suddenly they get a bucket, they cut it to eight. And then we mark that point from the 451 mark, the Celtics do not score a field goal the rest of the game. You go almost five minutes holding your opponent without a field goal, and yet you're not able to come back and, and, and tie the game, let alone take the lead, let alone win the game. And yet you're handed to yet another gift with 35-odd seconds to go. Grant Williams was shooting around 85% at the stripe in the postseason, and he misses both, and you fail to do the simplest of tasks, box out, and you allow a guy from above the perimeter to come flying in, straight down Main Street, right through the lane, grab the rebound, Tatum gets it, fouled, two free throws, ices the game. The Raptors, I believe, in spite of all of what Boston did well tonight, The Raptors have to look at this game and say, we beat ourselves. These were self-inflicted wounds for most of the game. The uncharacteristic play, the uncharacteristic missed plays, and certainly the uncharacteristic and sloppy turnovers led to this more than anything that I saw from Boston's shot-making or Boston's defense. This, to me, was the Raptors self-inflicting a lot of their own damage.
2: Uh, we didn't have a chance to talk about it uh, off the top, reacting to the game, but I want to get your thoughts on it, and I guess Rogers as well. Uh, you know, the final possession there, Van Vliet takes that pretty pretty tough three, and you know, it comes up way short. Nick Nurse had a timeout. Uh, were you surprised he didn't use it in that moment, seeing right in front of him that you know didn't look likely that Fred was going to get a particularly good look?
0: Uh, I, I I was a little bit surprised, uh, if I'm being honest, Josh. I was. Uh, but at the same time, I also don't think they needed the three either. So uh, would a timeout have have helped that in in terms of, you know, discussing the game plan, the philosophy, what the Raptors wanted to do? Yeah, it probably would have. Uh, I don't know if that was Freddie just, uh, you know, essentially essentially freelancing and doing it on his own and making that decision or what. Uh, But Jonesy, to his credit as well, said it during the broadcast, um, you know, he wouldn't have gone for the three. To me, you take the two, you look for the higher percentage, look, you get the ball into the lane, you hopefully finish at the rim, or you, you maybe get fouled, you're down one, and then you try and play it out at the free throw line, knowing that you then still have that timeout in your pocket. Um, that, to me, may be why Nurse didn't take it, perhaps thinking, I need to save that in case we play it out the line. That's that's one thing where, uh, I mean, you guys maybe haven't had a chance to hear it yet. I haven't either. Uh, I'm assuming that Nurse has been or will be asked that question in his post-game availability as to whether he wanted to take it there, whether he wanted to have his team go for two, uh, what the decision was, because I was was surprised by it. I, I think philosophically there was still enough time on the clock that you didn't have to have the three at that moment.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you both. The only thing, I mean, you know... Freddie was four for eight from three-point land. Um, He feels comfortable with the shot. But I would like to hear from Coach Nurse if that was designed or was that Fred Van Vliet just thinking he had the look. And he was of the Raptors tonight. I mean, he's the only guy who had multiple three-pointers in the game. He wound up with four. And I think the Raptors combined the rest of the team. Only had four, which leads again, Eric, to you know this theme we've been talking about. Is here is a veteran team, a championship team with its pedigree, and Siakam's going to take most of the heat. I don't think there's any question about it because he is the he's the franchise player, and he comes up with 13 points. But the scoring just was not there this time. OG only takes three shots. You know, he says he doesn't. You know, after that great game three shot, he doesn't shoot uh, to miss. He didn't shoot. Period. Uh, tonight. And at the end of the day, the disappointment is there. As, as we said, turnovers aren't their thing. And not, not even really getting enough shots off to win a ball game is very unraptor like as well.
0: Raj, I don't know what the final number ended up being um, for Boston. But I know at one point in the fourth quarter, I noted that they had 15 more field goal attempts and seven more field goal makes. So minimum, that's 14 more points that they've got in terms of the makes versus your attempts, let alone your misses. And 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 Boston gifted Toronto with, I believe, ten missed free throws. There are so many things that we can dissect from this game that again, speaking to your point that that I, I agreed with as well, where one team looked like the champs and it wasn't the champs. It wasn't the reigning champs. This was an uncharacteristically sloppy game from Toronto across the board and yet they were still in it. Right into the final thirty-five, forty-five seconds of the ball game, and, and still had a chance to win this game seven. Uh, I, you know, take your pick. Yes, Siakam takes a ton of heat. Kyle Lowry, for as fabulous as he was in Game Six, and certainly as incredible as he was last season and throughout this entire season, he struggled mightily, especially in the first half of this game. Ananobi, as you mentioned, not bringing a whole uh, a ton in terms of his offense, but at least bringing it defensively. Mark Gasol, minus twenty in the first half, barely seeing the floor in the second half, let alone his struggles in this entire series. The list goes on. You, you know, all the stuff we just rattled off, it's crazy to think that the Raptors actually were in a game seven and we're still in this game and a chance to maybe steal one from Boston in the final 30 seconds. But I think it does then speak to, and I, I, I hate to get ahead of myself here or maybe even ahead of your questions, it looks to me like how does this project to next year? Because as you guys were talking about, there's clearly decisions free agent-wise with Mark Gasol, with Serge Ibaka, with Fred Van VanVleet. I thought, Josh, you said it perfectly that um, the pandemic and thus the financial impact of the pandemic may dictate more than ever before what you do with any one of those free agents. But I also think if you start projecting about, you know, what does the team look like in terms of the hierarchy, the offense overall, let's just assume for a second that Van VanVleet's back. If we assume even that Serge Ibaka is back, do you need more offense from OG Ananobi? Does he become more of a focal point? Are you still leaning on Norm Powell as a sixth man? Is Matt Thomas a guy that starts to see more within the offense? Terrence Davis, et cetera. You have to look right now at a Raptors team as it's currently constructed. And maybe that's not fair because other signings could be made. Certainly trades could happen. There's obviously a big free agent looming. Uh, not long down the road that has been linked to Toronto, potentially among other teams in Giannis Antetokounmpo. So there's so much that could change, but just looking at the current team as it's constructed, you have to start and think the firepower from the Celtics stepped up in the biggest game, Tatum and Brown, and they're going to be around for a long time. You're going to have that one, two punch in Philadelphia, we assume, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. You're going to have that firepower in Miami, with the young stars that are budding and the young shooters that are budding in Hero and Robinson and none, let alone with a guy in, in, in Jimmy Butler. There are a lot of good teams in the East, and Toronto's in that mix. But what's going to take them to that next step where you're not just in that mix, but you're still considered one of the elite? And I think that then speaks to how you construct this team both internally and from external improvement as you move forward now because – a lot of the key cogs on this team that played key roles are veteran guys, and even if those veteran guys come back for a couple of seasons or for a season, father time's not on the side of a Kyle Lowry, a Serge Ibaka, a Marcus Salt. So some of these young guys are going to have to take even more of a step forward in the next season and in the seasons to come.
2: How do we, I guess, kind of put into perspective Siakam's really struggles this series, but for the most part, since things resumed, you know, 15 points per game, he shot 13% on threes. You know, Boston deserves credit, I'm sure, defensively, but, you know, how do you kind of, I guess, assess what we saw from him and and how he struggled so mightily?
0: Uh, He needs to be better, period. Uh, And and, uh, that's the obvious statement. I think the assessment overall, Josh, is I, I think that uh Pascal, this was the first time, the first real time. Uh, you know, we always talk about how cliche it may be, but playoff basketball is different. I, I, I thought Nick Nurse said it well, very well the other day when he talked about Pascal had an outstanding regular season, an all-star season, and he proved himself, I thought, as Nurse said, time and time again in clutch situations, in, in opportunities and situations where he was thrust into that lead dog role. And I thought he passed more than and and succeeded more than he failed. But in the postseason, and and even before the postseason, in the restart, something was missing. And whether it was the five-month or four-month gap and, and the pandemic, and he just didn't seem to have it going. And then when the postseason started, even against Brooklyn and certainly against a much better Boston team and a much better defensive team, I felt that the Celtics did a fabulous job of scouting Siakam and taking away his pet moves. They were reading the mail every time he had it. they get it down in the post, into the lane. They were reading the mail when it came to his little spin moves, when he tried to bring you left and bring you back right, bring you right and bring it back left, trying to finish with that herky-jerky stuff in the lane that often has teams buckled. Boston wasn't buckling. And then when Pascal maybe got frustrated or got away from playing in the paint, I thought he was forcing it from the perimeter, taking a lot of contested shots, and not really playing his game. And I think that was just the frustration level overall. So I think he needs to learn patience, shot selection, moving the ball more. And I think this may be, and it's unfortunate because it's frustrating as a fan to watch, no doubt. I'm sure Raptor fans are, are pulling their hair at watching him in this series and, and in this game. But I think this is the growth. This is the growing pain that comes with a young player having to maybe, you know, trip and fall before they can pick themselves up and take themselves back to that next level because I thought he played very well and answered the call very well last year in sort of the the Robin role, but you're Batman now, and and I think that he needs to learn what it takes to be that guy, and this was maybe part of the learning process.
1: No doubt a process. That's Eric Smith, play-by-play voice of the Raptors. Roger Lajoie, Josh Goldberg with you. We're here on The Wrap. Until the top of the hour, Eric, one more question. We'll let you go. And a great job on the call tonight again with uh, Paul. And uh, that kind of leads into the whole bubble and this whole weird, crazy season that we saw, Eric. And, you know, I guess another thing that's disappointing about this loss for the Raptors tonight, from the time they got to Florida, a couple of weeks early because of the border restrictions and, you know, and then the game started, this Raptor team looked more at home in the bubble, They were winning games in the bubble. Everything looked terrific until they ran into the Boston Celtics. We talked about this at the start of the series. Was this indeed, and it's easy to say now, that they've lost to them just because of the particular matchups of the Celtics? Would a similar Raptor effort in this seven-game series have beaten any of the other Eastern Conference contenders in your mind, Eric? Uh, I
0: think it would have, Rod. I mean, listen, like, Obviously, there's no way to to know with any certainty, but in my opinion, let's just look at again this game at the risk of being repetitive. The Raptors played, if not a terrible Game 7, they played a subpar Game 7 with a ton of mistakes, a ton of uncharacteristic mistakes, and a ton of individual poor performances. And yet they held their opponent without a field goal, for almost five minutes to close the game and had a chance to tie or take the lead with about 35, 40 seconds left in the game. That, to me, speaks to a team that, in spite of how bad they were, is still pretty damn good and was right there in the end. We could be talking. We were this close, guys, to me driving home right now talking to you guys about getting set for game one against the Heat And how in the hell did the Raptors pull off that win because it looked like Boston was in control for most of that game? And how did they do it? They did it with their defense. They did it by stepping up in the last five minutes of the game when it looked like they were down and out. They did it by getting contributions from guys late in the stretch, down the stretch, that maybe had struggled for chunks of the game but found a way to get some key buckets like Siakam, of all people, with a couple of key buckets in that fourth quarter. Like Norm Powell, streaking down the floor, chance to tie it blocked. If that shot goes down, we're talking about playoff Powell again with the tying shot. If he boxes out Tatum, we're talking about playoff Powell boxing out Tatum to secure the ball for the Raptors. Toronto now has a chance to go down the floor and take the lead and steal the game. All of the things that we're discussing right now, the narrative changes like that. So in a very long-winded way, I'm sorry, Raj, i say, yeah, this effort was still good enough to beat the Celtics, let alone possibly beat Miami or beat Milwaukee. So I think Toronto would have had an extremely good chance to knock off the heat in the East final and to go back to the NBA finals. Whether they would have been able to beat the Clips or Lakers, I don't know. But I think Toronto was right there. And I'm not going to sit here and say the best team didn't win. Austin was the better team tonight. They deserved this win, and they got it. But Toronto was right there, and I think that they should still be able to hold their heads high knowing they went punch for punch. But as I said off the top, they uncharacteristically shot themselves in the foot too many times in this game, and that's what did them in more than anything else.
1: Eric Smith, who did the call with Paul Jones of the Raptors' final game of the season tonight, as it turns out, losing Game 7 to the Celtics Smith and Jones Monday to Fridays right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan continues on Eric. Great call. I know it's tough. All of us dealing with this COVID, but I can't not say enough about you and every basketball and hockey play by play guy that's and baseball that are calling games off TV monitors, brilliant stuff. And thank you so much for being with us.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I wish I was getting set for another broadcast on Sunday and calling game one, but, uh, Certainly a bittersweet ending, but I want to thank uh, everybody that tuned in over the course of the season. I said it off the end of the broadcast, but I'll say it again to all the listeners that have tuned in and to, to all of the crew at the station, including the two of you and all the guys that have been doing halftime shows and postgame shows, all of the producers and certainly the board ops who have been doing Yeoman's work on the broadcast, let alone uh, on all of our daily radio shows as well. They've been the stars of the station for all the work they've been doing and being on the front line in the studios from the get-go so it takes a a a complete team effort and i wish that our team was still going on but uh so be it we'll have to wait till the next season whenever that may come and sounds like it might not be until the calendar flips but i'm looking forward to another season of calling games and and being alongside jones and and getting back to, to doing what i love so i appreciate you saying that and again i send out my my uh my appreciation and thanks to everybody right now that's hearing
1: me talk thanks rog well said eric stay safe and well my friend that's Eric Smith, Roger Lajoie, Josh Goldberg, with you. Well, Josh, we were on the air after the Raptors' last, last game last year, and compared to the tonight, compared to that, this night sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as articulate as I can be. This just you, sucks.
2: <laughs> you don't want to go till uh, five till o'clock. Six, no, yeah, no, actually, no. five thirty.
1: <laughs> I went to 5:30, and you stayed late too. That I want to stay till four. Night.
2: Oh, it was a great night. Yeah, what one of if not the singular highlights uh, of my you know relatively brief career. You know to get to do that, but yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting piece of symmetry that the next end of a playoff run. Uh, The following season were doing this show together under extremely different circumstances, not just because they lost in game seven, not in the finals. They didn't win the title, uh, but amidst everything that's been going on, the fact that we even have a game seven of a playoff series to talk about, you know, and I'm I I, it, it you're right. It does totally suck. But I'm trying to like. Maintain some sort of perspective these days, and it's just it 's great that we are able right now to to at least be able to to kind of feel somewhat normal. Being upset that they, you know, turned the ball over eighteen times and it resulted in thirty-one points when a couple of months ago we were very realistically wondering if we would be talking about something like this anytime soon.
1: Amen to that, brother. That's Josh Goldberg. I'm Roger Lajoie. We'll get to your text and your emails in a moment as the rap continues on SportsNet 590 the Fan.
0: Sports, SportsNet 590, the Fan. You're listening to the rap. Sportsnet 590, the fans, Raptors post-game show.
1: And it's the final wrap of the season, very regrettably for fans of the Raptors as they go down to the Celtics in game seven in the bubble in Orlando, 92-87. Roger Lajoie, Josh Goldberg with you to the top of the hour. We're going to spend next 15 minutes or so just raffling through your text and tweets because we had a lot of a lot of feedback we want to get to but uh, Josh I think you said it well just the fact that we could have a season this year uh, and I'll say that at the end of the NHL season too because it's the same thing applies is something I still think remarkable and I think we'll look back on this year 2020 with a lot of obviously uh, bad memories but 20 years from now, Josh, especially, and you're telling your kids, if you have kids, 20 years from now, um, hey, you know how they did sports during the pandemic? Let me tell you about it. It was in yeah. a bubble, and uh, it'll be a great story, let me tell you.
2: Yeah, it uh, it will. Like, uh, And I will look back at this experiment. I would hope somewhat fondly that they were able to pull it off. And, you know, honestly, I, I don't think they... I don't think we can see a bubble again. Like, I, it's just... The fact I sit here now on you know the morning of September twelfth, two thousand twenty, and I really wonder the next time we're gonna see the Toronto Raptors play basketball, number one, what the roster is gonna look like. But number two, like when is it gonna be and in what circumstance is it going to be? Like is it gonna be in front of a packed house at Scotiabank Arena? I don't see that as being all that likely. So it's just, you know, we enjoyed it for here for a couple of weeks, like uh, over a month, actually. Uh, And it was great to watch basketball again. And you weren't even really paying attention to the fact that there are no fans. But now, as I kind of step back here and just kind of unplug a little bit from the game, like existentially, I'm starting to think about. You know what everything might look like the next time the NBA is able to get everyone back on the court, all 30 teams in the regular season.
1: Well, that's a great question. I'll tell you this, Josh, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it tonight because we want to get to these texts, but um, the economic impact of COVID on the pro sports world has yet to be seen and i am you know me well enough i'm i'm a very optimistic guy by nature and i think in the long run everything works out for the best and i i think sports eventually comes back uh, to its great uh, self but um i am just very fearful uh for and, and i worked in the industry myself in addition to being a media guy i've worked for sports teams i am very fearful uh for what teams are going to do and we are going to see a lot of economic damage in these sports, if sports does not resume with full crowds, and I can tell you, my and we're only guessing, we're only guessing, Josh, I don't think sports comes back until we can have full crowds. No, nope. I don't uh, think the NHL and the NBA are going to bother to play. Never mind a bubble; it'll be though they'll, they'll all right. Let's put it off, January, February, maybe March. You know, yeah. whenever it's feasible. Uh, for them to do business properly, because this was just to try to recover TV money that had already been spent. Yeah. And so, and credit to them, they turned a $2 billion loss into a $1 billion loss and who anyone's going to take that. That's the best you can do, but this isn't going to cut it anymore. And good question. When the Raptors come back again and play and uh, when the NHL picks up again for next year, who knows, but uh Here's hoping for the best. Okay, here's some text. Daryl and Mississauga. And by the way, thanks to all the texters as always. Hope we get to most of them. but. You guys are great. Your longtime long-time listening, uh, listening of our station is so much appreciated. Daryl in Mississauga says, Siakam, Abaka, and Powell for Giannis. It's going to happen. Daryl, thanks. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to read these. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, Josh. Okay. And unless okay. I, I really like one, then I want to hear what you right. think about it. One guy gotcha. didn't leave his name. It says, not impressed with Nurse and his decisions made down the stretch. All right. Even though the guy didn't please, next time your name. I am always a Nick Nurse fan. I'll always be a Nick Nurse fan. Um, but like his team, it wasn't the best fourth quarter of his career either.
2: No, it was not. Uh, it was not a, it was not a great game from him. And yeah, it was especially not, uh, not a particularly good fourth quarter. I was surprised that he went back to Gasol to start the second half and, and didn't go with the who had had uh, a good first half as we were talking about on the halftime show. And Gasol, I think was what, minus 20 early on. And just, he didn't find it at at any point in this series, and you know that really begs the question of what his future is here like could I see a scenario uh in which he's back uh next year? absolutely because he i believe opted in uh to this year and is going to be a free agent, but you know it's gonna have to be a, a one year deal because they don't want to tie up any flexibility for. You know, like six, eight million dollars, and could another team talk themselves into Marc Gasol's defensive impact and give him more than that? Very possibly. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the last that we saw of Marcus All. And I just wonder kind of what his future is in the NBA because the foot speed was never there, but it's no longer there at all. He still can be effective defensively uh, for lar- large chunks of games, but the offensive impact just isn't there. He's not effective really consistently in the post anymore. He can't shoot threes consistently. Uh, it's just it, – it. I don't know if you – can afford to really bring him back and rely on him because a lot of times on offense it seems like you're playing four on five.
1: No doubt, Uh, it may be time. The he's he's nearing the end of his time in the NBA, and I'm I, I don't mean that as a total insult to him. He's been a great performer over the years, but everything you said is right, and the foot speed uh, and it is is really slow. Dean Bowmanville says, "Great season uh, for the Raps. Hats off to Boston for the win and saving 2021, 2022." For Giannis, well, that'll be the offseason story. Uh, Giannis, although he's talking a very, and thank you, D, for the text, he's talking a big, brave game that he's staying in Milwaukee, uh, Josh.
2: Yeah, well, a, a lot of times, how many times over the years uh, have we heard at some point or another a, a star in the NBA talk about how much they love a particular market like Kevin Durant months before the year before, you know, had said how much he loved Oklahoma City and he wanted to be in Oklahoma City. And then, you know, when push came to shove, he left like guys, uh, you know, until the decision is made, you know, you're really touch and go that last year, right? It, It really depends on how that season goes and we'll see what Milwaukee does. But honestly, short of a championship or a devastating loss in the NBA finals, I don't see any scenario Unless we just misread Giannis and he just he loves Milwaukee and he wants to put down roots there and he and he wants to be part of bringing a championship there long term even if it's not the easiest path to a title, uh, it's just it based on recent history in the NBA it doesn't seem likely to be the case but maybe he's the type of player and personality who might buck the trend.
1: Yeah, everybody's different I and mean, you know we everybody has a different agenda and what they want and and we shall see. It gives us something to look forward to and talk about and we always like that. Uh, without question. Uh, Maresh in Scarborough says, uh, looking for Masai to make some big moves this offseason. Great season by the Raptors. Still need another star other other than uh, Lowry. Maresh, thank you. Tony in the Hammer, regular uh, uh, texter. Tony, thank you. Says, heartbreaker, painful loss, but I love our Raptors. And let's thank them for a great two-year run. And thank you, Roger and Josh. And thank you very much, uh, Tony. Much appreciated. Leslie and Scarborough, gentlemen, this was a tough loss. I'm proud of this team, but we had our chances, plus too many turnovers bring on next season. No question about that in terms of the turnovers, Josh. And it was a theme when we talked with Eric, and I'm going to repeat it again because I think it was a big factor tonight. If you did not know anything about the NBA, you sat down in front of this screen and somebody asked you, who are the defending champions? You would have said the Boston Celtics. I don't know why that happened, but the advantage we thought the Raptors had over the Celtics and just about every team in the bubble, quite frankly, was their playoff experience and their performance in clutch time. And unfortunately, it wasn't there tonight.
2: It just wasn't. And, you know, you can say all you want about how good Boston was defensively, and they absolutely were. The Raptors just didn't execute, right? Push came to shove throughout the basically the majority of the 48 minutes and, and certainly down the stretch there. They just, you know, were not sharp. There's sloppy turnovers, missed looks. It just was every box you would need to check in order to lose a ball game. And honestly – generally speaking to lose a ball game convincingly you know you hover around 40% you can't make threes you turn the ball over um and you you give up easy chances in transition and fast break points because of those turnovers those are kinds of the kinds of recipes where you lose by 25 or 30 points you get your doors blown off and it's not even a competitive ball game but the raps are just so gritty and gutsy defensively that even in the the worst moment of the game when they were down 8, 10 points with 4 or 5 minutes to go, the defense enabled them to have a chance. It's just offensively, it wasn't there. And honestly, that was probably the big thing that people pointed at heading into the playoffs was could they get enough quality looks offensively in crunch time of these playoff games to really be a contender? And I still think that that might be a little bit of a harsh reaction, but... The way it went tonight, I wouldn't blame you if, if that was kind of your big takeaway and say, you know what, that needs to be addressed in order for this team to, to really be a legitimate championship threat.
1: Uh, Will and Simcoe, another regular texter, had a bunch of texts, but I'll pick one, says eighteen one Mets over Jays and Raptors collapse versus Celtics. I may sleep all day tomorrow. <laughs> Will, thank you. I might too, but I have to be on between 3 and 6.30, uh, so I can't. Uh, Blue Jays picked a good night to lose eighteen one. Josh. Yeah, did they ever? Did they ever? And, and <laughs> well, well, they'll get their turn tomorrow. But uh, boy, things that have been so good for so long with that team, but let's stick with the Raptors. James and Hamilton says, first, all things considering, losing Kawhi. It was a great season. The struggles of Gasol and Pascal hurt us, and I think that was a difference. Great job, guys. You've been a great source of entertainment during this time. James, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Josh and I both appreciate that, because, uh, yes, it's been an interesting six months uh, being on air in the last little while. And, yeah, if you want to point the finger when it comes down, and if, Josh, at the start of this season, we had said... The Raptors are going to have the second-best overall winning percentage in the NBA and are going to be right there in a seven-game series before they're knocked out of the playoffs. A lot of people might have said, you know what, I'll take that. But the way pre-pause and the way they played in the bubble led us to believe that, holy smokes, maybe they're going to run this back.
2: Yeah, it's just interesting how everything evolves, right? Nothing is, until you're eliminated and the series is over, your season's over, if you don't make the playoffs, whatever it is, you know, you are You can always change the conversation. Your play, good or bad, can always change how people perceive you in terms of being a contender or being an also-ran uh, of the league. And yeah, people were picking the Raptors, media members south of the border were picking the Raptors to finish 8th or in some cases I think even missing the playoffs so by that standard you know to have a winning percentage of almost 74 percent like Nick Nurse wins coach of the year Siakam's an all-star you're uh, a pretty sloppy game seven away from the Eastern Conference Finals again yeah if you step back and think about all of that absolutely it's a successful season but that's kind of the beauty and curse of sports is that's just not the way things work, right? We had six months or whatever it was of really good results. We had six games of a series that uh, led you to believe that the Raptors were right there with a really good team in the Celtics who were preseason considered to be in the mix with them uh, as well. And then, you know, the way that game seven ends, it's not as if, you know, Boston just played better than you you know they were just really good on a night you were also good but they were just a little bit better it was well you know they were sloppy didn't execute and, and that was the big reason so you know it's kind of tough in that moment to really take that step back
1: but no question Raptors are done for the season Roger Lajoie Josh Goldberg will wrap up Sportsnet tonight in a moment on Sportsnet 590 The Fan
0: Sportsnet 590 The Fan You're listening to The rap. Sportsnet 590, the fans, Raptors postgame show.
1: Well, we got a couple more minutes to wrap up the end of the Raptors season. Roger Lujois, Josh Goldberg with you. We were with you last year. I was on till 530 in the morning. Josh was on right after the game till about four. And what a night and celebration. What a difference a year makes, not just for the Raptors, but for all of us. Uh, however, folks better days to come a couple of tweets uh, came in as well uh, uh yeah a couple of tweets came in want to get to them um <clears throat> brent says i'm sorry but how are the raptors uh, not on to begin with i know guys were complaining that the game was on 680 earlier there's always a situation guys and when we have sister stations we take advantage of that and end of the day all of our radio properties are available and uh, it's easy to find so I know some people were talking about that earlier, but we really thank Six Eighty for carrying it for us because we had obligations uh, for the Blue Jays tonight. And um, there you have it. I'm, I'm just gonna I am just gonna leave it at that. Um, losing the game was tough. Colin tweets in Toronto beat themselves in this one. Uh, sucks. It was to Boston. Thank you, Colin. And Andrew says it wasn't Boston. Uh, the Raptors beat themselves with assistance from the refs in this series. I I won't get on the refs thing, but I I will say, Josh, if my summary of this would be the Raptors did beat themselves more than the Celtics beat them.
2: Yeah. Well, when you turn the ball over that much and and, and you can't even really say, yeah, sure. Some of this was good defense, but a lot of it was just forced entry passes, sloppy outlet passes, just, you know, trying to do too much. And yeah, that uh, to me is beating yourself to a T and it's just, it's unfortunate that it's a team that we thought, uh, it was going to be really poised and this situation kind of came unglued.
1: Indeed they did. And thanks to everybody for all of your uh, tweets and texts throughout the course of the show. Josh, always great to work with you. Uh, two years in a row we've done the end of the Raptor season yeah. show. Here's hoping twenty twenty one's a lot more fun. How about that?
2: Yeah, yeah you said it. Uh, but uh, all the same, always a, a pleasure uh, doing these shows with you.
1: And likewise, Josh. Josh Goldberg, I'm Roger LeJoy. Josh Santos has been our... Savior of the station, one of the board ops, been here right from the start, six months. Josh, great job once again tonight. Always great to work with you. Keep it up, buddy. And uh, thank to all of you. Sorry, we couldn't get to all of the texts and the uh, tweets that came tonight, but we appreciate them all, believe me. And there's always another day, another time for the Raptors, but unfortunately... Their season ends tonight. I'll join you again tomorrow between 3 and 6.30. Our great programming is throughout the course of the day as well on Saturday. And keep us tuned here at Sportsnet 590 The Fan. For all of us, thanks again for listening to The Wrap. I'm Roger Lajoie. I'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.